0: Man, good morning, church. I wanna share a message with you this morning from Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 about a, uh, an accepted outcast. This morning, title of the message is Lessons from an Accepted Outcast. An Accepted Outcast. We're gonna look at this, this fella here in, in this passage and um, this story talks about 10 lepers that uh, Jesus healed from their leprosy and the one that came back and uh, praised God and glorified him and, and worshiped him, uh, the other nine that kind of went on and, and went their own way. And we look at this accepted outcast, we, we understand this was a guy um, who had been basically thrown out of society, thrown out of the cities, was um, not just an outcast, but was told he was unclean was told that he had to cry out if anybody um, was walking along. He had to cry out, unclean, unclean, and keep himself away from anybody else. And, and, and I look at this leper, and, and I see these these 10, and then especially the one, and I think to myself, boy, isn't that really us? We, we're just just a bunch of nobodies, just a bunch of outcasts, just a bunch of people who are unclean, And yet Christ accepts us and and Christ cleanses us so that we don't have to be outcast anymore. And so when when I read a story like this and and we take the time to really consider not just the, the, the message in Luke 17, but then we consider who Christ is in this message and then we reflect on really who we are. And uh, all of a sudden, you come to this realization that we are nothing more than just an accepted outcast. So Luke 17, beginning in verse 11, we'll read a few verses here. Verse 11 says, while he was on his way to Jerusalem, there was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who uh, who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. That was from Leviticus. When somebody had leprosy, they had to go show to the priest if they thought they were clean of it. And the priest would examine them to see if they were indeed cleansed. So Jesus sent them on their way to go see the priest, and as they were going, they were cleansed. Now, one of them saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. You know, this this time of year, and Julie mentioned earlier, there's some opportunities around the church to give back and to, um, to, to demonstrate our thankfulness for what we have. And um, when, when we look at a passage like this and we see somebody who has, from a grateful heart, a thankful heart, giving back to the Lord and just, I mean, this guy had nothing. And so all he did was he, he went and bowed down, he praised God, he glorified him, he gave him thanks and he demonstrated some faith for him. And, and that, that was it, that's all that this guy had. He was an outcast from society. he he was looked down upon as a Samaritan by all of the the Jewish community. In fact, really, him even crying out to Jesus as a Jewish person was was unacceptable in their cultural norm for the day. And in all of this, this guy gives us such a, a wonderful demonstration of the heart that we ought to have towards our God, our Lord, our Savior. You know, we were singing this song a moment ago and just kept saying, you are worthy of your name. You are worthy of your name. You are worthy of your name. And I, I, I'm, I'm singing this and all I could think of was we are unworthy of his name. We are, we are unworthy to bear the name of Jesus. And when, when it says you are worthy of your name, I even think to myself, we, we really aren't even worthy to, to mutter the name of Jesus Christ. And, and we are, if, if this leper who was cleansed was an outcast from society, a foreigner, uh, somebody who everybody had shunned, then how much more should we be in the face of God who we have just so destroyed ourselves in front of and and with our sin we have we have brought ruin upon ourselves and so to sing you are worthy of your name instantly for me recalls to this concept that we are just so unworthy and yet Jesus reached down from heaven and he provided that way for us to be cleansed you know, these guys, these 10 in this passage, they ended up leprous. We don't really have any indication how they caught the disease or or um, where they caught it from. There's, there's no background on these guys. There's not much information here. The most we know about them is that there were 10 of them. They were leprous. One of them at least was a Samaritan and um, one of them turned back to praise God. And that, that's about it. That's about all we know here from from this passage, but yet I think it's easy for us to also identify with where this is. Our, our sin in our life is like a leprosy. It rots the life away from us. Our sin destroys the life that God put into us. In fact, the very moment of original sin, the spirit of man died inside of him, and it took... Jesus Christ going to the cross and resurrecting from the grave to bring the spirit back to life. And so here we are identifying very much and understanding that, that we too, in our sin, are leprous. We too, in our sin, have the, 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 the life rotting off of us. Leprosy was a, a just a terrible disease, there's some translations of scripture and I, I kind of chuckle at this. I'm not sure if it's super, super accurate here, but there's some some translations. In fact, some of y'all might be sending them in. I'm not trying to insult, you know, which translation you read from, um, but I, I've got one at home and you open up to a passage like this and it says, uh, well, they had a serious skin disease. And I read that and I think, well, this is a little more than serious. I think this, is, this was, their, their flesh was dying on them. And, uh, you know, it says a serious skin disease and I'm like, well, I mean, you know, you could call eczema or something like that, you could call that a serious skin disease. Uh, One of our brothers recently had a a patch of skin cancer taken off of his head. That's a serious skin disease too, but um, this this was quite literally, the, the body was rotting. And that's where we are in our sin. And that's where we are if, but for the grace of God. And so the the grace of God comes into life and says, be clean, be cleansed, be healed. In this passage, there's there's three words used to describe the healing that these guys received. The, The first one, he says this, as they were going in verse number 14, they were cleansed. That concept of cleansing literally means that what was bad was cleaned off of them and washed away. It, it reminds me of, uh, in the Old Testament, the, the uh, Assyrian ruler and he was, he was uh, uh, leprous as well. He went to the prophet. The prophet says, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. He does six times, nothing happens. Seven times, it's like literally the waters washed away the disease off of him. And that's the, the concept that this word means is it's like a, an actual cleansing, an actual cleaning of that which was, was dirty, that which was wicked, that which was ugly um, and, and, and deathly around them. They, it cleansed who they were. The second word that he describes uh, is, is the very next word. The, the one leper that turned back, he saw that he had been healed. That concept of healing means bringing back or a restoration to the, the previous status that he was. So before he had leprosy, that was the, the condition of the body and that healing describes that, that physical restoration to the previous status. You know, when when, um, when he was restored and healed here, it was as if, He had not previously suffered this disease. He was healed from it. And then the final one comes when he demonstrates his faith um, before the Lord. He goes back, he glorifies God all the way back to Jesus. He gets on his his knees, he praises uh, God and he, he gives thanks. And Jesus says to him this, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. And that word made you well, that concept of wellness is interesting here because it is used both in the physical and also in the spiritual sense to demonstrate him being made well again. You scour through the the New Testament, you look for that that Greek word that that follows behind the word well there and you find that it's used in both both ways. It's both a physical healing that it will sometimes be used in, but it's also describing at times, at other times a spiritual healing. And I think what you begin to see here is this. Jesus gave him a different type of healing than apparently we see in the other nine. He not only restored the physical well-being of this man, but he restored the spiritual well-being of him as well. There's a lot of ailing people in our world. Breaks my heart to see some of them. Breaks my heart to see the hurt and the pain that this world causes. And there is a a, a hope for physical healing. We pray at times for for our our friends and our loved ones and, and those in our congregation that need physical healing. But the urgent matter at hand is not physical healing, it's spiritual resurrection. That's what people need so when you look at this and these three words for this cleansing to understand how this, this one leper was completely restored, we, we apply the, the spiritual uh, application of those words. The first is this, yeah, we need to be cleansed. We need the, the yuck washed off of us. Do you know in 1 John 1, he says this, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you, to forgive and to cleanse. Here's the thing, when it comes to your sin, you need to be forgiven for the act of your sins. You also need to be cleansed from the, the grossness of it. If you imagine your spirit wallowed in the pigsty and it needs to be washed, needs to be cleansed from that. Then there's also that, that healing that we need, where we need to be, and here's the spiritual word for this, we need to be justified from our sins. That's where God takes our sin away and he restores us back to our previous status, which was as a perfect creation in his eyes. That's what Christ does when he gives us his righteousness, and he takes upon himself when he went to the cross, the unrighteousness of us, the sin, the wickedness of us. We need that healing. And then we also need to be made well. In a sense, I think that demonstrates how our dead spirit, our, our death in trespasses of sins need to be brought back to life. We can be restored In Christ, here's the thing, church, sin is a nasty, ugly, destroying business. It tears people, families, churches, societies, and this world apart. It's nothing to be trifled with. It is nothing to be hidden. It is nothing to be played around with. It's dangerous, and it will cost you everything. Very simply, a friend I went to college with Bible, way back in Bible college used to say it like this, sin is bad. It's bad. And we need that cleansing, healing, and wellness that comes only from Jesus Christ and only at his hand. He he is the physician. He is the healer. He is the hope giver. That's who Jesus is. And this man here received what Jesus was offering. He received that wellness from Jesus Christ. He received that, that restoration that he so desperately needed. You know, we look at the healings of Christ in the, in, 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 the gospels and oftentimes, you know, you see that, that physical healing, but every once in a while you get the spiritual healing as well. Love when he looked at the, the one man and before he healed him physically, he says, your faith has made you whole. Your sins are forgiven of you. And, and that of course, that got everybody upset because they thinking, whoa, who but God has power to forgive? And, and that's exactly right. And then he, then he heals him, right? And so you see that, that physical healing often, but here in this passage, I think you see that spiritual healing as well that we so desperately need. And Jesus offers that. My friend, if you're in here today and you've never received the spiritual healing that comes through Jesus Christ. Let me lay it out for you very simply. Our sin makes us walking dead people. There's no spiritual life within us. It wrecks, ruins, and destroys everything on the inside. It brings nothing but death and condemnation upon us. And God will judge the sins of humanity. But God does not want to have to send you to that terrible place called hell for not just an instant of death, but for everlasting death. And so because of God's overwhelming compassion and love for me and you for this world, he sent Jesus Christ to come in and to be the savior of the world. Christ died on that cross out of a a love and compassion for us, so unworthy. He was worthy of nothing but glorification and praise, and we were worthy of nothing but judgment, condemnation, death, and suffering. And yet Christ took upon himself so that he could provide the healing that we needed. And I encourage you, if you're walking around like these lepers, an outcast in the eyes of God. You can be accepted by God, but it's gotta come through Jesus Christ. It's gotta come through the way, the truth, and the life. It's gotta come through the savior of the world. And it comes when we finally give over to him, we repent of our wickedness and we turn to Christ with with nothing to offer. And we just humble ourselves and by faith accept the offer of salvation that he gives, that he paid for. And then from there, we can become like this accepted outcast. So this morning, let's learn three lessons on how to respond like this accepted outcast did. we we'll go into the Thanksgiving season. I think it's appropriate to give thanks for what God has done for us to give thanks for what Christ has given to us. The first lesson of this accepted outcast is this, we ought to glorify God loud and clear for all to hear. Loud and clear, just give it up to him. I love in this passage, this guy, as soon as he sees what happens, he turned back. And here's the thing, he hadn't got to Jesus yet. All right, catch this. He has not gotten to Jesus yet. He turned back glorifying God with a loud voice. Glorifying God with a loud voice. He is literally shouting out glories and and praises and rejoicing and hallelujahs to God while he's walking back to Jesus. Can I get somebody to get a good hallelujah, praise the Lord out of that? I mean, come on, this is where this guy is coming from. He realizes what Christ had done for him and he turns back, before he gets there, he's glorifying God. He's praising God. He's shouting out hallelujahs. Let me me challenge you on this, church. Don't wait until you get in the church house on Sunday morning to glorify God. Make it a part of your everyday life. It'll do you good. It'll do you good. Some of you, bless your heart, you hadn't smiled so long. You're afraid that if you do, you might, you might reveal some new cracks in your skin, right? Listen, you let, you let those cracks appear as long as they're cracks of a smile, okay? And you just, you just let it rip and praise and glorify God because he alone is worthy of our praise. This man hesitated, not for even a moment, Where were his friends going? They were going another direction. They forgot to give thanks. We don't know what happened to them, I have no idea. I could speculate, you could speculate. All I know is this, only one went back, that was it. And listen, if this world is going to go in one direction, and you gotta go all by yourself in pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ, better to go by yourself. Better to pursue God all alone than to be with the rest of this world on its way to hell. This guy, man, he turned back, and before he even got there, he's shouting these praises to God. He's giving the light up to God. He's he's directing everything to him. Here's the thing that we miss so much. My salvation and your salvation and our life in Christ and our life on this earth is not about us. It's about God. Salvation was about him. It was God's way of shining the light and glorifying himself. Your life is not your own. Your words are not your own. And the breath in your lungs is not your own. It belongs to God. That concept of glorifying God is very simply, it, it's, it's shining the light in a certain direction. I like the other facet there is not, not just that he was shining a light towards God, but he did it with a, a voice. Not just any voice, a loud voice. A loud voice, all right? Now, I know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt somebody's feelings here this morning. Don't be quiet about what God has done for you. Let it go. Let it out. Amen. Good job. Amen. Let it out. Let the, let the praise flow out of you. You say, well, preacher, I don't wanna be the loudest person in the room. If you're glorifying God, be the loudest person on the planet. All right, just let it go, let it flow out. I love y'all, I do, I do. I wish y'all would sing just a, a little bit louder. Y'all do that? And just, just let it rip. You say, well, I don't, I don't have a good enough voice to get on stage. That's okay, I don't either. But I still sing pretty loud. And when you, when you hear these wonderful singers up here get off pitch, it's because they're overhearing me. That's what it is right? You just, just let it. I learned a long time ago, I have no embarrassment or shame for, for this, this loud singing voice that I'm going to have. And the reason is because it ain't about my voice. I'm going to let it rip. I'm going to let it out. Let's glorify God with a loud voice for everybody to hear. Notice secondly, give thanks with a grateful and humble heart. Give thanks with a grateful and humble heart. Verse 16, he fell on his face at his feet, at Christ's feet, giving thanks to him. He fell on his face. Fell on his face. Just a couple hours ago, I heard our chairman of the deacons, Kyle, he he gave a a charge to our deacons. And, And a big part of that charge was, guys, we won't, We need to be men of fasting and prayer, men who seek God. And I watched after that, what what one of the deacons described as the best deacons meeting they'd ever been in. I watched our deacons gather around and and just humble themselves before God and pray and weep and just, just seek the Lord. When was the last time that we fell on our face before God? I'm afraid that we have too much taken that verse in Hebrews and and forgotten the the, the humble, on uh, on your face, on your knees before God part. The, The verse in Hebrews says, having boldness to enter into the throne, the throne room. And I agree with that. We are children of the most high God and we have boldness to enter into his throne room. But never forget, never forget who you are. Nothing but for the grace of God. And humility should be at the center of our heart when we get before the Lord. This man got down on his face because he recognized the power of God in Jesus Christ. And he knew he was not worthy to even be present anymore. He got down on his face and he thanked him. Do we really grasp this? That all that we are and everything we have comes from Jesus Christ? If we can say thank you to the person who opens the door to us, to the person who serves us our food at the restaurant, to the person who who says a kind word to us, how much more should we thank the God of the universe who gave everything that we have to us, even the breath that is in our lungs? This man understood Because he had seen and experienced and knew the depth of what Christ had done for him. And he got down on his face with just a humble and a grateful heart and sought the Lord his God. And then notice, finally this morning, demonstrate your faith in the faithful one. We ought to glorify God as loud as we can. We ought to give thanks as humbly as we can. But we also must demonstrate great faith in the one who is faithful. You know, here's the thing. These guys, again, we know nothing about them. We know there were 10 of them. We know they were leprous. We know they were cleansed. And we know one of them went back and praised Christ. And he was the Samaritan one. These men, this man, this man demonstrated a faith that is honorable, that we all, every one of us, ought to learn from. He goes in and he gives this, this faith to Christ. And, and it's in one sense, it's just admirable. In another sense, it's shameful to the rest who are around him. What I find fascinating about the fact that he puts that one phrase in there—he was a Samaritan—that's in verse sixteen—and then later down, Jesus acknowledges this, saying, "Except this foreigner, this person who's not even a part of the, the quote chosen people," and and you bring this up, and then then you rewind and you remember Luke also was the one who recorded the story of the Good Samaritan, right? And and it, it's shocking here that. The Samaritan person is the one that demonstrated the faith because everybody else didn't expect it. Everybody else didn't expect it. This is is not the person that you would have expected here. And yet, this person who nobody else uh, in the in the, 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 the good religious society, nobody else expected that. Nobody else saw it from him. And he demonstrated such a powerful faith. Where is our faith? Have we demonstrated the kind of faith, like what, what Christ said, if you have that great kind of faith, you could move a mountain. Have we demonstrated that kind of faith? The, the kind of faith that is, is ready to go out and charge the, the pit of hell with nothing but Jesus Christ on your side. Is that, is that enough for you? And this, this kind of faith that he demonstrated and God sees this and he, he, Jesus just stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. This man from there on out was restored, not just in the body, but in the spirit as well. He was spiritually restored because he demonstrated this faith. What I find interesting is he didn't just demonstrate it, but he demonstrated it in the right place. You see, this is a world that presents a lot of different options, a lot of different ways that we can we can show our faith. This guy got it right. He put faith in Christ. He put faith in the one who could heal. You know, oftentimes we, we trust in a lot of different things. We, we trust in a lot of different things that we, we have put in our lives. We we trust in, you know, money to keep us safe and secure and have financial security. We we trust in uh, in in um the, the hospital to heal us when, when we're broken. By the way, I'm not, I'm not saying the hospital is a bad thing. I'm just saying, where's your faith actually at? You understand? And we, we, trust, in, we trust in all these different things. We put our faith in people at times. when well, we should be putting our faith in Christ. There's religions in this world. Many people put their faith in these different religions, these different faiths, these different ways of thinking and worldviews. You've got some who put their faith in false gods. You've got some who put their faith in themselves as their own God. You've got some who put their faith in a, a balance of scales, so to speak, a karma worldview saying, this is what's gonna get me there. This is what's gonna tip the scale in my favor. You've got people putting faith in all different kinds of things. And the, the, the number, the, the number of things is just endless. There's only one thing that's Faithful. There's only one cure for the soul of man. That's Jesus Christ. And this guy put his faith in the right place. He demonstrated his faith in the right person. And he found healing. He found restoration. He was made complete because He sought it in the right place. You know, in all of this passage, we've got this guy who had nothing and was nothing. He was thrown out of society like he was useless. And that's the person that Christ came to seek and to save, it's the person that that Christ loved. And this guy just demonstrated this, this heart of thankfulness and gratitude that just inspires. Church, we need to not forget from where we have come. I think, I think that's what's at play here. Sometimes we have just forgotten who we are and where we have come from. We've forgotten that we just need to be at the feet of Jesus Christ. We just just need to be down at the feet of Christ and and just worshiping Him, glorifying Him, thanking Him. We get into this, this Thanksgiving season. You know the history here. This is Coming for our nation in a time where before we were even a nation where those people were starving and they had nothing. They made it through that first winter and they finally got a footing and they expressed that gratitude for the harvest. They expressed the gratitude for God's provision, the the giving of thanks. Here's here's what I just want to encourage y'all to do. Just get on your face and glorify God and give thanks to him just give give thanks and and just pour it out for him we do this thing in my house we call it the, the thankful pumpkin my wife she goes and gets a plastic pumpkin from the store and we set it in front of the uh on a, in front of the fireplace and uh, every well not every night but uh, Every night we're home and, and it's not late. Um, we get out a Sharpie this time of year. We get out a Sharpie and everybody gives something they're thankful for. Some of y'all's names are actually on one of our pumpkins from the last two years. And uh, we, just, we just write. And it's crazy because here, here's the thing. <laughs> after, after the first few nights, like, you got to get real creative, you know, because we don't do very good at expressing thanks and so then there's some pretty trivial things on, on the list. I'm not going to lie. If you read through um, our, our thankful pumpkin, well, I tell you what, C Group's going to be full tonight. Everybody's going to want to come and see our thankful pumpkins. Um, and, and, and you look through and you'd be like, man, some of these things are pretty, pretty shameful. I think tacos is on every single thankful pumpkin we've ever done. Right? It's just, it's just what it is. But it, it it's so good, it's been so good for our family because it it just it teaches us as a learned behavior to teach us how to give thanks, how to give thanks. And at the very center of all of that, we need to give thanks for the healing that we have in Jesus Christ the very core of everything else, it's that one thing. So church, this morning's invitation is just that. Would you give thanks that God will look down on us, unclean lepers, and choose to heal us from our sin? Let's do that this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you can, I invite you to stand up with me. Before the music even starts, I just want to say the altar is open. The altar's open. Would you come down and kneel as if you were kneeling at the feet of Jesus? Would you give him thanks this morning? God, this morning, we love you. So unworthy. So wicked. So vile in our sins. We thank you for looking down on us and loving us with an everlasting love. God, we are nothing apart from you. But with you, we have everything. Everything we ever needed. Everything we could ever want, we have because of you. Teach us again, God, to be thankful and grateful. Teach us again, God, how to glorify you even in the hard times, especially in the hard times. God, help us to use this beautiful breath of life you have put in us to shout your praises, to lift up your name. God, help us to give thanks every day and in all things. In Christ's name we pray.